Hello beautiful people and welcome to another episode from the JSE Health uh, podcast series initiative called Empowered Health. I'm your host Courtney Dixon and today we're going to be exploring self-sabotage. Now this is actually really quite timely considering I haven't put a podcast out in a couple of weeks and apologies to those of you who were waiting on that. But what was at play is exactly what today's topic is about, self-sabotage. I was sabotaging myself with putting this out, feeding my own insecurities around this because I received some feedback. Now, I've received a lot of positive feedback around this podcast series and yet it only took one negative comment for me to fixate on that. And it wasn't even really that negative. It was around the way I speak when I'm on the microphone and I'm trying to be clear and succinct and not my normal self. So normally when I'm talking to people, I'm actually really quite fast and I bounce around topic-wise, but that's not what's going to help you get this information in in a podcast series. So I'm quite consciously trying to talk a little bit clearer, a little bit slower. And I've had some comments from people saying that I sound almost like a sex worker or a call girl or I forget what this, um, it was a YouTube sensations where people talk really softly into the microphone and then they make sounds like that, like tapping or or whatever it might be, there is a name for it. If you know it, shoot me an email or flick me a message and let me know uh, what the name of that particular type of activity is. But supposedly it reduces people's anxiety. Now, back to what I was talking about, self-sabotage. So I received that feedback and it was only from one person and yet I fixated on it and I thought, oh, I don't want to sound like a sex worker. I don't want people to think that. I want people to take me seriously. I don't want them to think that I'm trying to seduce them through the microphone because that is not what my aim is. My aim is to get information out to you. So apologies if you think that this is a late night radio special. I'm sorry. This is just how I sound when I'm talking in a microphone. I'll do my best to try and keep it upbeat like I normally am, but I do still also need to keep it clear and succinct so that you can follow along um, because I will <laughs> those who know me and have met me in person, you know that sometimes it can be hard to stay on the track that I'm on as um, I can see the bigger picture and I jump from idea to idea, but they all do link back together. <laughs> all right. So that was self-sabotage that was at play. Now you might think self-sabotage, why would we do it? What do we have to gain by sabotaging ourselves, by blocking what we really want and keeping it at bay? We want something and we say, you know, quite clearly where we want to be in our life and what we want to have. Yet we find ourselves sometimes not acting in line with this vision. And that's exactly what I mean by self-sabotage. This then leads us when we're acting in this way to blame ourselves, beat ourselves up and feel baffled. 
We aren't doing what we know we need to do or making choices that are in line with our goal. Like me, I knew I wanted to do another episode. I knew I want to keep getting the message out there. I knew the overall good of doing this. Yet that one comment had me procrastinating, had me second guessing myself, had me questioning my knowledge and experience and abilities, which was all built on insecurities and quite silly. But We find ourselves, and I'm not the only person that does this, this is quite a widespread thing that can happen and we feel baffled when we find ourselves, you know, we want to do this, we want to produce this, yet we're doing things that are actually blocking what we want to happen. So why do we do this when we know that it keeps what we really want at bay? What this is showing us when we are self-sabotaging ourselves It's showing us when we act this way that there is some resistance, right? There's something pushing back. And when we have resistance, it's usually because we have conflicting reasons that we haven't addressed. I'm going to say that again. When there is resistance, you have conflicting ideas or conflicting reasons that you haven't addressed. Just let that sink in for a sec. Okay, have you got that in mind? Now, when you think of your goal or your vision or what you want, if it doesn't feel safe or good to you or you get afraid, you will sabotage it. We need to be congruent with the image otherwise we must sabotage it because we know we will always be struggling feeling stressed, trying to survive and feeling unsafe if we don't. Self-sabotage is a solution. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? And I think that's the thing. We often go, there's no purpose to this. I don't know why I'm doing it. But you, that's, if you, that's scratching the surface there. If you dig just a little bit deeper, sabotage happens because you are trying to protect yourself. It is a solution. Your body or you as a person see it as a solution. It gives us something we want like safety, protection. We don't want to stand out. We're scared of criticism or we're scared of being alone. And there can be another number of other things that you might be scared of that leads you to sabotage what you say you really want to do or have in your life. So, for example... Some people, if they have a particular career or path they want to pursue or they're going to get a promotion, but in order to have those things, it might mean that they need to move. But they know when they broach this with their partner that that's not going to go down so well, that they don't want to move. And so, you know, they might submit a resume that's only half done or they might not put themselves completely forward in the interview and then they go, oh, well, it just wasn't meant to be. But really they set themselves up for that situation. So how do we know we're self-sabotaging? So how can you identify when you're doing this? What are the ways we self-sabotage? Well, one that I was doing, and that's one of the prime ones people do, is procrastination. This is a really big one. 
We procrastinate because it usually protects us from the possibility of criticism. And ding, 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 that was me. If I don't put out another podcast, I'm not going to have any more people saying that I sound like a sex worker and therefore I don't have to deal with those comments. Again, it wasn't many people, but that's the thing. That's the thing with criticism. You can get 50 million likes and you can get half a dozen critiques and you will fixate on those comments. And, you know, why do we do this? We always are fixating on the negative, trying to look for things that reinforce our ideals, that there is a lack, that there's something not good enough. We're looking for those things, those things that support our inner insecurities about ourselves. Now, back to procrastination. (laughs) That was more like a diversion, but we'll get back to procrastination. So procrastination protects us from criticism. It also allows us to feel safe and not take any risks. For example, you know, if you finish this project or assignment, then it's out there for others to provide judgment. So it's better it just stays in draft. And this is like when people have big ideas. They can twirl around and think, oh, wouldn't it be lovely to do this or that? Or, oh, my goal is really to have my own business doing, you know, this. And wouldn't it just be amazing? But it stays in the realm of ideas. They aren't taking any action. And it's not because they don't have the desire to take action. That's not the problem. The problem is the fear of criticism that keeps them procrastinating and from taking any real steps. It means that they are putting themselves out there, they're risking the fact that they could fail and they're also risking that they could get some criticism. Now, I hope that didn't come through, but there might be some storming activity and I've tried to avoid the daytime recording so that you're not getting the whippersnippers and everyone else doing everything around outside. Nights are quieter time and clearer time to talk but um, bear with me if there's some thunder background noise you know it'll just add to the ambience just think of it as that so procrastination we've covered that how that um, is a tactic or a solution that we use to sabotage ourselves and help keep us safe what are some of the other ones well another one is playing it small now what do I mean by playing it small If you don't do anything too big or risky, you'll be safe. That's what I mean by playing it small. It's where you think, if I just stay under the radar, I won't be noticed and I can stay out of the spotlight and be safe. I won't take risks to create my dreams as I'm scared I'll lose what I already have, be that personally with change or professionally with a work goal. But by doing this, You also never step into your full potential. You're always running at about, we'll just say 50%. You're not letting your true depth of character, your true ideas, your full potential, what you can manifest and bring into this world and make it a better place with your fabulous ideas because I'm sure you have fabulous ideas. You just haven't nurtured them enough or allowed them to grow into something that can become a reality in this world. First, you have to imagine it and then you have to believe and take action on it for it to actually occur. But if you're scared of doing that, you're scared, you know, if you take a risk to create your dreams that you'll lose what you already have. 
be that, as I said, personally or professionally. You never get to see, though, what you're fully capable of and let the world see your light. So we want to see your light. We need more people stepping out into their own light and shining that, using their imagination, their creativity. If we all chipped in and put out our ideas, could you imagine what this world would be like? If we all weren't so scared, sabotaging ourselves, keeping ourselves small, what we could accomplish. So that's another one. So we've covered procrastination, playing it small. Another one is blowing opportunities. So I kind of touched on that earlier in the example I gave. So how do we blow opportunities, I hear you ask? I don't intentionally do this. They just never seem to come along or work out as I planned. I hear. I hear you saying that in your head. Yes, I'm psychic. (laughs) But, you know, you might go, well, this is not my fault. You know, it's just that nothing's coming my way. But we do do this. We do blow opportunities. A good example, like I gave earlier, is say you have a job interview and you show up late or you're unprepared for the, what the job is, you're self-sabotaging your chances of being employed. You're blowing opportunities and it involves you not being prepared for something or not showing up at all or not showing up with all of you there. This is a big one, actually, not just in a professional sense. That was a professional example, but in a personal Example, so such as in relationships, if you don't show up fully in a relationship, then it was never going to work out anyway. So, why get invested, right? It's safer to not even try. That way, you save yourself the heartache, and if it doesn't matter if it fails, boom, mind blown. Is your mind blown? Because that's a big one. I'm going to be a little bit sexist. I'm not intending to be sexist because women do this too, but this is a big one that the fellas do. If they don't put themselves out there, if they don't put the effort in, you know, it's never like it was a real proper relationship. So it doesn't matter if it fails. Actually, maybe this is a Gen Y thing when we're looking at things like Tinder and um, the fact that we've just got a plethora of options. No one really wants to commit. No one really wants to put their heart out there or risk letting themselves get completely seen for all their wants and desires and to fully put themselves, you know, into a position where they're looking at a relationship or something that is consciously committed to somebody else because, whoa, hang on, commitment, I might be locked in there and I don't know if you're what I want but I'm not going to risk getting too close into this because if I do and it doesn't work out or, you know, you decide that you're not for me or I decide I'm not for you and then we've got so close and invested, that's going to hurt. God, that's going to hurt when that ends. Shit, I don't want that. And so what do we do? We aren't fully present in our relationships. Yeah. I'm going to let you mull on that one yourself. Now, another way we self-sabotage is by not rocking the boat. And I'm again, I'm sorry for being sexist, but some of these ideals of what's feminine and masculine energies is because there is a propensity for these genders to 
I guess, attract or act in, in particular ways. That doesn't mean, please don't jump on me, that doesn't mean that, you know, women can't not be fully invested. And it doesn't mean with this one not rocking the boat that there's a lot of men that don't do that. It's true. But I guess a better way of phrasing it for you would be someone who identifies as the feminine or masculine energy in the relationship. So that doesn't necessarily have to be a female that is the feminine energy in a relationship. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the male that's the masculine one. Okay. And but every couple has that masculine feminine energy depending on doesn't matter what gender they are but someone plays that role in the relationship now right back to rocking the boat so not rocking the boat is a common one for women to demonstrate being so afraid of change that they won't do anything so they just keep their patterns the same and I have found myself keeping some patterns the same and, and not conscious. This is not a conscious thing that we're doing. We're not going, oh, you know what, I'm just going to keep repeating the same thing. I'm going to keep doing the same cycle um, and, you know, think that that's exactly what I want because I know it's not what I want but it's a subconscious thing until you make it conscious, right? So being afraid of change so that you won't do anything and keeping your patterns the same. So you do the same thing, repeating cycles, because you don't want to upset the equilibrium. You're so afraid someone will notice that something's wrong or different in your life, so you try and avoid doing anything that people will see. You may do this in your relationships, as I sort of touched on, so trying to appease the other person. Yeah. Scared if you say what you really feel, they may leave. Or running back to a partner again and again, even though you know they aren't good for you. But you're still just trying to keep the status quo. Or trying to make sure you don't say anything that may offend your friends as you don't want to upset them or lose them. But if you spoke from your heart with how you really felt, you know, they may leave. There's that risk there. So often we don't say completely what we want to say. But when you're trying so hard to not rock the boat, as in the examples that I just gave, you're really not being true to yourself. You're trying so hard to appease those around you, the real you doesn't get a chance to have the spotlight. You're not being honest you're not speaking your truth this can then build up to self-loathing or a feeling of insecurity as you're always having to have a front or a wall up and you don't value yourself enough to stand out or the self-worth to stand alone and there is nothing wrong with standing alone sometimes when you are true to yourself people will drop away but the right people will stay. People that are meant to be in your life, people that are meant to connect to your soul, they will always be into your life. People may come and go, but the ones that are meant to stay will come back and stay. What is meant for you will always find its way to you. And what is not meant to you, what not doesn't stay was never meant for you. Right? Whew, okay. Now, Another way we can self-sabotage ourselves 
is by overdoing. And this one, I'm not even going to gender put it on it because everybody does this, right? Everyone can overdo things. So can you think of any ways that you might overdo things? One way might be overspending. All that online shopping is just so good, so easy to do. And plus, when you've got all the shops around you and you see sales on, oh, so hard, so, so hard to get in a bargain, <laughs> right? Okay, so overspending, you feel deprived because, you know, you've overspent and now you're in debt and, you know, you've been working so hard to pay off. So what do you do? You splurge, you treat yourself and you buy something that you can't afford you're then left with credit card debt and feeling guilty. Anyone out there, can you put your hand up? Is that you? <laughs> Have you ever done that And as you're overdoing? Part of you feels like you deserve to feel guilty, that you don't deserve to have nice things. You're not worthy of them and you can never be successful to achieve them. And by doing this, you confirm that belief that you are not enough. Yeah, it's deeper than just a sale. (laughs) Other types of overdoing can include things like drinking alcohol, smoking, taking drugs, um, exercising too much. Yes, you can over-exercise. That is a real thing. And um, another one that I'm going to add in there, and I don't think I can coin this term, but I quite like it, is workaholism. That's right, I said workaholism. When you're a workaholic, you are self-sabotaging, but it's disguised as something legitimate. But what happens when you work so much? You end up being exhausted, burnt out, not being as good at the work you're doing because you've taken on too much. The reason we do this is to keep so busy that we keep ourselves away from our feelings. Yeah, you workaholics out there, you're trying to keep yourself so busy that you don't get in tune and really process and deal with your emotions because you keep your mind so active, so on the go that there's just not that time to sit and process and allow some of those emotions to come up. Now, they might not be just from this week. There can be some really deep-seated issues that can come out when you start taking the time and, oh, oh, that can feel so scary. Oh, who to feel like shit like honestly who wants to feel bad who wants to go through and feel sad and cry or get angry or oh feel low no one wants to feel like that so what do we do we keep ourselves so busy and we just push it down we just push it down into that jar and we screw that lid on tight and we don't let those feelings out but eventually they will come out and often people that are the bit workaholic inclined those feelings come out when you stop But by doing this, by blocking them, by hiding them and shoving them deep down into the dark recesses, by doing that and running away, trying to hide from them like this, we actually block ourselves from moving forwards and really making progress with them because they never actually go away. You might not have to deal with them right now, but they are still there. And eventually, 
give it enough time, give it the right situation, they will come up. And this is where sometimes people start overreacting in situations because someone has triggered a memory or they find themselves in a particular situation that reminds them of something that's happened in their past and they react to the similarities of that situation, not necessarily what the person currently is doing or has done. When you have those overreactions to little moments, you got to stop and think, what is this reminding me of? Why is this such a big deal right now? They just dropped my fork. Why am I getting really angry, for example? Because that's not something that you would normally like. Who cares if they dropped your fork? But sometimes you can see people when little things happen. It's like the bubbling, boiling water. That was it. That was enough of the heat to allow it, the the lid to just pop off the pot on the stove. So you never really get away from your emotions. And yes, it can be tricky. But that's why it's really ideal if you think you're one of these people that you do it with a qualified practitioner like a a psychologist or a psychiatrist, someone that is qualified in the mind and helping you work through the emotions, someone with experience in that area. I mean, you can do it on your own, but it's way faster and more efficient in order to do that with someone helping almost like a coach guide you through that. And help you get rid of and resolve it for good. Don't you want to feel good and resolve some of these things and grow as a person? So to understand why you're doing some of these behaviours, ask yourself these few questions. What is the downside of your success? What do you imagine or picture that is unsafe? What is the upside of staying where you are. How does it serve you to self-sabotage? And what are you protecting yourself on? So if you think that you might be displaying some of these characteristics or behaviours, and we all do them at some point, I want you to jot those questions down, if you can, uh, so that you can ask yourself these questions later. So I'll read them out again just in case you missed it. So what is the downside of, of your success? What do you imagine or picture that's unsafe? What is the upside of staying where you are? How does it serve you to self-sabotage? And what are you protecting yourself from? Now, fears are part of your truth. If you try to change a behaviour without addressing the emotions underneath it, it won't work for very long. Just like when you try to rely on willpower instead of inspiration. Willpower only goes so far. You need to be in an inspired state or have a why for it to continue. Because willpower is relying on how you feel in that moment. It's like your motivation and motivation's rubbish. <laughs> you are only ever motivated um, when you want to be motivated. It's never there when you're feeling sluggish and it's rainy outside and you don't want to go do something. When you really need motivation, it's not there. It's like such a fair weather friend. Okay, so <laughs> back to willpower. It just doesn't ma- remain sustained, Okay. So for you to have real behavioural change, you've got to address the emotions underneath it. 
There are some ways we self-sabotage, but these are more the more common ones. Okay, the ones I went through today are the ones that we see everywhere. There are That doesn't mean that's an exhaustive list, but they're the more common ones, we say. And self-sabotage is not you lacking willpower or being stupid, okay? Sometimes you see that and you go, oh, I procrastinated, I knew I shouldn't, and now it's going to be late, and now they're not going to give me the promotion or whatever it is. And you think, oh, I'm such an idiot, why didn't I get onto that sooner? It's not you being stupid. It's a safety mechanism as we talked about. Your mind and body will always try and keep you safe. That is their job. They want to keep you safe. These patterns are often occurring in our subconscious mind. And what we need to do is bring it to the surface to our conscious awareness so we're aware that we're doing it. So we can understand why we are doing it. Okay, So then we can work through Uh, and make some more conscious choices, choices that serve what we want better. So if you find yourself running back to an old boyfriend, not turning up on time to an interview, not wanting to move or change things, even if it will get you where you want to be in the long run, putting things off that you know you need to do, ask yourself those questions to find out how this sabotaging is actually serving you. You'll be amazed at what little truth bombs come out of that. We will hold on to things in our life if we perceive that we cannot get it anywhere else. It must be serving a need for us to be unwilling to let go, to stay paralysed. This can be in your romantic relationships, in your work life, this falls into so many facets, okay? So take it whichever direction you need the inspiration or you know that you're holding on to things, okay? You'll hold on to things if it's serving a need and you think you can't get it anywhere else. So maybe that's that toxic girlfriend you've got, right? Once you know what it is giving you, you can then move through it. So maybe you think no one's going to ever... Um, love you like she is and dote on you but you know then she turns around and acts all crazy with the girlfriend example you know but you think you're never going to have that deep connection or love with someone and that's what keeps you there so once you've identified what you think that you're getting there that you can't get anywhere else you can move through it and go well hang on a minute is that you can then start questioning it questioning these beliefs, these hidden beliefs, because all behavior is driven from beliefs and beliefs come from our emotions and our experiences that we've built up over time. And a lot of them were instilled young, some now, you know, later on that get instilled with repeated scenarios. But these beliefs are what keep us trapped. So if you know, you believe that this girlfriend's the only one you're ever going to have that deep connection with, of course, you're going to keep running back. Even though she might treat you like shit and cheat on you or do whatever, if you believe that you're never going to have that deep connection and that's what she's giving you, you can't get anywhere else. Can you see how you would be self-sabotaging yourself and putting yourself back in that situation even though it's not healthy because of this underlying belief that you have? Yeah? Is that all making sense? So once you identify it, you can work through and go, well, hang on a minute, that's not really true. Do I really think that she is the only one that can give me that? No, because you have experiences that tell you probably otherwise that, yes, you know, I had a girlfriend five years ago and, you know, we had a really strong connection and just grew apart, blah, 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 blah. So no, this girlfriend's not the only one I've had that experience with. 
Okay, so um, once you know what it's giving you, you can then move through it. And there's lots of different ways, obviously, you can do that by questioning that, by um, tapping, there's all kinds of stuff. But the first thing is making the unconscious conscious about what you're doing so then you can move in the direction that you want. And fear is a natural part of life. We can't avoid it. It is part of who we are and it helps dictate our some of our experiences. And true courage is when you're afraid And you go and do it anyway. All right. Well, (laughs) I've covered quite a lot in today's. It was a very emotive, I guess you would say, um, chat today. But I hope you got something out of that. I hope that gave you some clarity. And if you are self-sabotaging, take some time. Maybe go meditate. Really think about it. And take the time to get curious about yourself. Get curious, why do you do this? What does this mean to you? Is this true? What do I have that supports that? What do I have that doesn't support that? Really get curious about yourself and why you do what you do. And the more you learn about you, you need to be the master of you. The more you learn about yourself, the better your relationships with other people will be, the better you will be able to sculpt and mould your dreams and control yourself and help see opportunities and be better aligned with the universe. All right, well, I might leave it there. But thank you so much for tuning in. And wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing, 